All right, all right, all right. Um, hello, thank you for joining us. My name is Tom. I'm the host of the My First 1000 podcast. And today for our pilot episode, I'm joined by Owen of QuickKids. Hello, Owen. How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing very well. Thank you, Tom. How are you? Happy days. I'm straight up vibing, my man. I, I'm having a good time. Uh, do you want to introduce vibing. yourself? Because for the few people who don't know you. Um, oh, man. Uh, yeah. Hello. I'm Owen, and I cre- I'm the creator of a YouTube channel called Quick Kits, which I started back in 2014. And on that, I make video informational videos about scale modeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's very accurate. That's a good that's a good summation. I like that. I'll tell you what. I was watching through some of your earlier um, your earlier videos, obviously to to see your journey to the first 1,000 and. One of your kind of outliers, one of the things that struck me is just the the quality of the models you're actually making. So even back in 2014, before you got big, before anything, it's just how good the models are, how detailed, like how good the painting is. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I tried. I'd been doing it for a little while by then as well. Mm. So it wasn't like I uh, I just started making models as soon as I started the channel. I've been making models for a good few years before I started the channel. Oh, okay. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah, I was curious at the time between when you started scale modeling as a hobby and then the time where you decided, hmm, maybe I'm going to start making videos mm-hmm. about that. What kind of, what happened in that time? What, how did you get from one to the other? Okay, well, okay. All right, so um, I started making models when I was... I'm going to say like 10 years old, nine years old. And I started with like Warhammer stuff um, because my friends at, at primary school were playing Warhammer, Warhammer 40k. And so that kind of got me into like the model building side of things. And then when I was about, uh, I want to say 13, 14. Yeah, I, I got a proper model kit. Well, not a problem. Warhammer is a proper model kit. Um, I got an Airfix model kit um, of a a bomber plane, a World War II bomber, and um, I built that. And I was like, these are cool, and I like the history behind the uh, models and the aircraft and stuff. And then at around that same time, I had started a YouTube channel making little animations with like clay figures and things. So uh, I wanted to post some content on there because the claymations as I called them were were taking a while to make so I thought I would film myself making um, one of these model kits that I was doing and I thought I could put it on YouTube and I could see if uh, I would get any feedback on how I could improve my models um, through people in the comments but it ended up going the other way and people started watching the video and using that to learn things for themselves from what I was doing rather than people feeding back to me. So I was like, oh damn, this hasn't worked. But then it started to get these, these. I did like two or three where I built various model kits from Airfix. They started to gain a lot more traction than my animations were doing. I was like, oh damn, maybe there's something in this. And so that was when I kind of had the idea that maybe I could do a channel that was purely about um, building scale models. Oh, that's really interesting because I think that's that's quite a consistent thing between um, with YouTubers where they 
do several channels first or a few smaller channels first before before kind of the main one so i, I never realized like you had one first that, that clear one mm. yeah yeah um it wasn't very good and i didn't really post much on it <laughs> at all uh, i didn't really have it for a very long time um well maybe i did i can't remember it's quite a long time ago now <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that, so um yeah was that like stop frame animations of the of the clay that sort of thing yeah like stop motion animation that was it yeah mm, okay hmm so that again right. was kind of involving building models and stuff for the animation so yeah because i went back to your first one so key. what's currently live on the quick channel the earliest one is in 2014 i want to say and what struck me with that one is within the first 10 seconds you've got an introduction a voiceover you got a picture in picture you got two different sound things there's a lot going on in, in just that first 10 seconds right it's not kind of what you mm. what one might expect from a really early on video so i guess it makes sense that you had a you had a channel first yeah i practiced a bit and also um i had kind of been watching a little bit of i was trying to find informational videos on youtube about how to build scale models and i was really struggling to find any that were really good and um most of that was because um like people didn't really show their faces there wasn't it wasn't scripted so there was a lot of waffle that went on for like you know they were like hour-long videos or whatever that hadn't been edited they were like badly framed badly lit bad audio quality and um you know i just didn't want to watch them so i was like i want to create something that's a lot more watchable a lot more concise and so that's hmm. why i really tried to do straight away from the offset with quick hits and um yeah just make sure that it was a, of a good quality i mean it's not it, looking back at it now it's uh it's definitely quite dated and definitely could be a lot better but um i think it was all it was reasonably strong for what it was in comparison to the um other channels in the scale modeling niche it was um one of the better quality ones mm, okay so you pretty much identified three uh no, not one but three as you say niches in the market there being production quality um scripted and informational in informational mm. instructional yeah i don't know teaching people how to do it basically and you combine those three to make yeah, even uh, as I say, the ones I was watching earlier, they they tick all of those. They're teaching people how to do it. They're around that ten minute mark where you use you make use of scripts and time lapse to teach mm. people. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think um, it wasn't until a bit later that they ended up being around ten minutes. I think when I first started, they were all around five minutes because I wanted to go with the quick quick kits, and uh, that was kind of back in the days of YouTube when like. Uh, like 10 minute videos were probably considered long like that was before the algorithms and everything that made it like watch time related so it was it was better back then to like make shorter videos so that's why there are a couple of tip videos that are like a minute long or less because um, that was back when kind of like little information bites kind of worked a little bit with the algorithms i don't think i don't know if that's necessarily true maybe it's just because my channel was too small maybe larger channels 
would have not. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, over the years then, because it's interesting you mentioned the, the algorithm, because obviously that comes a lot into kind of the more uh, marketing side, the branding side, um, channel consistency, the finance, etc., and driving clicks and how YouTube promotes your material. How much did you play into the algorithm over the years? Um, not very much, I don't think. Um, I obviously always tried to optimize like video titles and tags and descriptions. And um, I tried to keep up to date with like, you know, when YouTube introduced the hashtag thing, tried to introduce that and um, making sure that my thumbnails are good and stuff. But I never tried to play the algorithm too much in terms of like the length of my content. Usually it's been as long as it needs to be. I've realized that I can slow it down now. Like back in the day, I used to like take the footage as a time lapse and like speed it up massively. So it was like fitted in five minutes, whatever the speed. And now I realized, or I realized like within the past few years that that's not really a very easy way for people to understand what's going on. So now I try and I still speed it up a little bit, but maybe only like two times faster than in real life. And I'm much more like choppy with my editing say the video lengths are now more around 15 to 20 minutes let's get into the meat of the matter then so obviously this podcast is based on uh going from nothing to your first first 1000 first 1000 subscribers um but before that let's talk about your first 100 so we had a brief chat earlier and you're saying it take it took you three months and six videos to get your first 100 subscribers so talk to me about those first six videos um so it was kind of handy because of so two of those actually no three of those videos that were of my first six were ones that i had already uploaded to my previous channel and i just took because i had originally uploaded them with just the build footage with no not featuring me at all um but my idea with with quick hits was that I wanted me to be in the videos to be like a personality that the viewers could relate to to some extent because that was one thing that I felt was missing from other scale modeling channels so I I basically repurposed what I'd already uploaded and just made it quick hits um with like the intro and and featuring me and the voiceover because a voiceover was something that I didn't used to do but I was like if I want this to be educational informative high quality content i need to to include a voiceover or something to take people through it right because like a lot of people just have pictures with like text on screen but i was like no no that's not good enough it needs to be better than that so i need to record <laughs> nice. um, which uh, was a bit hard for me because i hadn't always been the most outgoing person and uh, i don't know I, I i was a bit nervous about like being on camera, putting myself out to the world and recording voiceovers and stuff. And I was really awkward with it at first. And interestingly, one thing that I really struggled with was like reading scripts out loud. Because like, I don't think I had like read out loud other than in like the occasional history lesson, like since like, you know, learning to read back in, you know, year one and two, when they like force you to read out loud, they're all just read in my head. So it was really weird to like have to present to a camera and then read a script. It was just, it was, it was tricky. 
but I'm glad I did it because I definitely think it helps a lot. Sorry, where was I going with this? Um, uh, talking about voiceovers, but no, no we'll, we'll come back to the voiceovers actually because that's really interesting because okay. that's a skill you developed, um, you know, the, the public reading um, and kind of your voice there. That's a skill you developed that you could use externally that you've got just through doing your YouTube thing. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely it definitely helped me. I think it just generally doing the channel and stuff helped me be a more confident person with like socializing and talking and reading, yeah. Definitely a big help. Mm. Yeah. No, that's really interesting actually. Well, I mean, cuz you're I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying, but your other hobby I guess that you developed into a career now is about camera and and production stuff, right? So earlier on, we were chatting about how you chose to do the script, the voiceovers, the top-down cameras. Uh, that was very much kind of a, the top-down camera. That's a very much a... Was that an existing style within the scale modeling uh, videos community, even back in the early 2010s? And Yeah, yeah. Nice. Say. So that was kind of existing production um, methods that, that you used and then improved, I guess, with your knowledge of lighting, cameras, voiceover, editing, all that yeah. jazz. Yeah, I mean, like back with the older videos, I didn't understand like how lighting and camera really worked. Like, um, you'll notice that even in the thumbnails for like the first and the third video that were on there, the white balance is wrong. Like, I didn't understand what white balance was and how to set it properly and stuff like that. So, but it was great because it meant that I learned how to do these things through making the videos, which has helped me now. Like, I understand a lot more about editing and lighting and cameras and things because of doing quick hits. So it's helped me in that way, as well as helped me, um, yeah, socially, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> confidence, my confidence, yeah. Well, do you mind if we talk a bit more about that That socially then? Um, I mean, developing your confidence, obviously. In, I guess, did you ever see a in-real-life measurement where you could see, oh, wow, my confidence has been directly improved because of quick hits, or is it just more a passive thing over time? Um, probably a bit of both. I think there was, there was this, like a student TV um, like club that we did at, at college. And um, like I think because of quick hits, I was like confident enough to, when we didn't have someone who wanted to present, I would... I put myself up for it and everyone else was kind of grateful of that because no one else did so we could we could film something so I guess like it was probably that and quick it kind of just just helped in collaboration with other things to make me feel more confident about things Hmm. I like that you're very open about these things. So one of your more recent videos, which I'm a really big fan of, is where it's titled I was embarrassed to admit that I had the, this hobby. <laughs> which I, I just thought it was a really trying nice to get video that for you bait. to admit. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, trying to get that clickbait titles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that maybe is an example of perhaps me trying to play the system a bit. Yeah, so I don't know. I've been playing with the idea of making that video for a long time and I didn't quite know how to word it but I thought like you know it's a problem that not a problem just a, an experience that I've had and um, I'm sure that other people are going through it or have been through it 
or yeah two and it might help them out so uh it was it felt like quite a rewarding video to make and from the comments that everyone put on that it felt like you know it was it did have a positive impact that i'd i'd wanted it to have so that was good and um yeah if i guess if you haven't seen it it was me talking about my experiences of growing up building scale models which is kind of regarded as a bit of a a nerdy uncool thing to do and um yeah but how how it's helped me as develop as a person to be who i am today and uh have the opportunities that i have now so yeah that's kind of what i, I chatted about in that video yeah it's a as you say the comment section um for that it's uh, yeah it's quite remarkable just scrolling down and seeing the stories of uh of everyone because i think uh your your audience is generally on on the younger side so i think it's really cool that they can look up to someone so prominent in the the subculture of scale modeling and be like oh actually there's a face to a name here and actually you went through possibly similar struggles you know to, yeah. to do with confidence to do with oh this is a hobby that i don't know if i should talk about publicly um i think that's quite yeah. inspirational i think that's a really cool thing for you to have done thank you mm. okay well that's a different kind of video format to your traditional style of, of what you traditionally do and i had a look back and there's one way you actually talk about your filmmaking process like how how to make a quick clips video how you made how you made a video and i was deeply saddened to see that that didn't quite do as um popular as say some of the, some of the other more more viral ones and i thought that's mm. a great shame because i think that's really interesting because that's bringing together both your hobbies uh, of the camera uh, production side and the scale modeling side would you are you kind of averse to that kind of content or are you actually more leaning into that now such as the recent one about you you know you're embarrassed to have the, this hobby um well the like the embarrassed to talk about the hobby one or whatever that was kind of also as well me trying to i've been trying to with the past few videos that i did i tried to build my personality into them a little bit more because before that quick kits apart from like the update videos that i did it's all just very like information and it's not really personality so i i tried to include a bit more of that just because i realized that i could do i guess and it makes it more engaging i think um but in terms of the videos um about like the behind the scenes because it's, it's, it's like a behind the scenes of a quick kits video one where i go through my process of making the videos and then as i guess I, the how to photograph scale models so that's combining lighting and camera work to photograph and photography with model making and yeah neither of them have done as well as the videos that are purely about model making i don't know if that's just because um my channel's audience is just there for the models which is probably what it is and not so interested in filmmaking as well maybe if i made more of those videos and attracted more of a filmmaking audience they would have got more views but yeah i don't know i guess it's like people are here for the for the models and not here for filmmaking so they can maybe appreciate you know that my videos are good quality but they're not really interested in how i go about achieving that but then there are other people who have wanted to start their own scale modeling channels and they have looked to those videos it's like a resourcing from what people have commented so they're helpful they just haven't done as well as as others hmm. i think it's neither though i don't think i don't think people are there 
uh, going to quick kits for just the models. I do think they are largely there for you. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe because I mean, because you said you you made a conscious effort early to include you as a personality for people to relate to, and you've been doing that for six years now. You know, I think quick kits is more Owen than it is the individual models. So, I I don't know if you are a fan. I don't know if if you are a regular quick quits viewer, please message Ern and uh, tell him <laughs> your opinion on the matter because uh, it's interesting to hear. Be because obviously, hmm, where it you go with that, I guess. Well, where where do you think your the the channel quick quits? Where do you think the direction is heading? Say over the next six months, twelve months. Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I haven't really been able to do much um, content creation for YouTube just because. I've been busy with work and then moving house and then just everything else to do with life has kind of gotten away at the moment. So, uh, yeah, and I don't have the, the space or resources to, to build kits at the moment where I am. So it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if things will improve. Um, it's quite a sad note. It. I know, it is a little bit of a sad note. I know, I don't know. I don't know where I'll take it. Hmm. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Well, we'll leave that one a bit open-ended. But on the job front, obviously, congratulations on, on the good job. <laughs> obviously, big, big question on my mind. Did you include quick, the Quick Kits channel as part of your CV, as part of the application for that job? <laughs> I did um, for because because of the fact that it was for a video production company, yes. And they did really like that. They liked that I uh, it had given me that background in like social media, running a social media channel, video creation, um, factual content, I guess. Um, because yeah, like I say, it's given me practice with cameras, sound, lighting, editing, social media, running, script writing, I guess, and stuff like that. So yeah. They were like, ooh, yay. And also the live stuff as well. They kind of saw that as something that they didn't really know about and I knew a bit about. So they were like, they liked that and they've wanted me to develop that. And I have now introduced that. So I've opened up a new area of business for them that they can now offer clients the opportunities to do live events and things um, through me coming onto the team and kind of like, teaching them about it and then doing more research into it and stuff so they're happy i think yeah yeah wow well that's really cool to hear it's very inspirational to hear do you reckon if someone told you five years ago that you'd be able to use a channel to, to use your your youtuber channel and career to help get a job do you reckon you'd have believed them um probably not i don't think because i don't know yeah I guess, like, I never really saw it as... Because I always wanted to do... I think, like, you know, when I started it, I was like, I want to be a film director. <laughs> so um, at that point, it seemed a bit far away from um, what I wanted to do. But over the years, as I've learned more into camera work and cinematography and ended up with this job being more factual-based than narrative, it's definitely had a bigger impact than I thought it would originally. And looking back in hindsight, I can definitely see the benefits that it's had here. Because mm. I guess there might be... It Was there any 
feeling of intimidation the fact that by putting that on a on an application someone can look you up and scroll back and see all of your older videos uh, as well as the recent ones that's a lot of content to allow people to judge you by yeah yeah i was uh, a bit worried about that but like again it's only me i guess looking more uh looking younger and stuff like i think because like maybe if i had included more of my personality back then i would be more embarrassed about it i am still embarrassed about it like i think i do have like a slightly awkward energy and um obviously look very young um but i think because it is generally just kind of like pretty straight factual stuff it's not it's not too bad even though it's dated so I wasn't I wasn't too worried. Just like maybe it was just me like knowing how I felt when I was sat there looking at the lens. Like I I I then read that energy from it. I don't know. That was good to know that maybe you don't see it that way. You don't read that energy from it. That's good. <laughs> no. Um Oh god, the the internet's messing up a bit, but I'll just get back to you. If you just say say a few words and I'll see if I can hear you properly. Hello Tom. How's oh, yes, how's yes, that's sounding? wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. So I guess the question is then kind of the immediate uh drawbacks or the immediate concerns that you had all those years ago about putting yourself out online, would you say they've been vastly outweighed by the benefits you've got from putting yourself out on the internet? Yeah, I would say completely yeah that was again one of the things that i kind of touched on in that embarrassed to admit i had this hobby video um was that yeah it is you gotta you gotta put yourself out there to get anything back you gotta take those steps i guess to to get started and yeah it was it was definitely worth doing even though it was a bit nerve-wracking and a bit scary yeah I would I would recommend just trying it, you know, seeing where it goes. Yeah, that's really good advice, I reckon. Because I, I guess that initial um, awkwardness or embarrassment that you had, even not including the the benefits to you over time, the positive impact that I think you've had as a role model over people over time, kind of that the external uh, impact you've had to people, I think that's something quite special. <laughs> thank you yeah, I, would. <laughs> I think it is nice like that I do feel like I have helped people in some way I have helped yeah improve people's lives in some ways from some of the comments and stuff that I've got they've been like yeah it's really helped me because like there are aspects of scale modeling um there's a whole charity um centered around it called models for heroes which is like using scale modeling as um like a, a form of therapy because it is like concentrating on a project and you go from nothing to something as you mentioned earlier and so by the end of it you feel like a sense of accomplishment and um yeah models for heroes are using it as a way to help people cope with like veterans in particular cope with ptsd and um depression and anxiety and stuff like that so some people have found that through my channel that they've seen a video and been like, oh, maybe I should give this a try. And then they've tried it out and they've come back and commented like, oh, this has really helped me out in this way. So thank you. So, yeah. It's, uh, wow, it's that's really rewarding. significant as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, mm. you know, some people are a bit too quick to judge scale modeling as a hobby, but uh, I, think, hey. I think it's. Yeah, good. and of, of course, the, the severity of which as well um, that PTSD can affect someone's life. I think to be able to help combat that and help people who are going through that, I think that's that is a huge thing. I think that's a very big thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The guys at Models for Heroes are doing fab work. Yeah, definitely with that. Yeah, well, shout okay. out to them. We'll uh, include shout the links. Shout out to them, yeah. We'll include the links in the description, so check <laughs> them out. Um, yeah, because I, I like, um, I think it, it was some of your last your last year's video where something as simple as you had the logo printed out and you had that um, on your cutting board yeah. uh, for Models for Heroes, I remember seeing. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, just try such a passive way to help, to help people out. That's, that's quite nice. Okay. Yeah, I've been trying. All right. Well, let's chat about then. Sorry, sorry I got so sidetracked, but um, so we chatted about those six videos okay. that got you from zero to 100. Let's talk about thereafter that got you from 100 subscribers to your fabled first thousand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that journey. It's, I, I think it was two months. I okay, that's two months. <laughs> it's like it was like August thirty first. I technically uploaded my first video, and then by like November the seventh, I had had. So maybe under two months, just. Wow. So two no, two months. No, just under three months. Sorry, because September thirty first, October thirty first. Yeah. Hey. So three months uh, and six videos to your first one hundred subscribers. <laughs> Oh no, I've got hiccups. Um, <laughs> and thereafter, it actually took you from November 2014 to May 2015, eight uh, eight months to go from 100 subscribers to 1,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. And a total of, was that 10 videos then? So it can't have been only four more. Yeah. Or was that 10, 10 videos mean, in that in that eight months? That was only four more videos. So that's the total video number of videos oh, that were wow. uploaded to the channel. So yeah, it was like um, the thing with building scale models and making videos about them is it does take a little while to build a model. So it's never like one thing I've really struggled with always is a regular upload schedule because it does take so much time to make a video for it. Um, they've never been regular uploads. So I think that's definitely harmed my channel's growth um, quite a lot is the fact that there's not regular content. Um, but yeah, I just put out what I could and I tried to make it as good as I could and uh, it just yeah had to grow in that way rather than growing from like the sheer amount of content that I was churning out. But I think it's good because it means that, you know, the videos are still helpful, even though they're old. As I mentioned earlier, you can kind of like go back to them. Well, you do literally have to watch paint dry, so <laughs> you know. Yes, yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting thing because, of course, everyone always recommends have a regular upload schedule, have a regular upload schedule, and so mm-hmm. it's interesting that you have succeeded by and large anyway w- without that consistency, and actually w- with long mm. gaps between between videos. Not that's a bad thing, obviously, because there is such a production value there that isn't quick or simple. Mm -hmm. i think um just to compare it to like channels in my niche like plasmo and andy's hobby headquarters and i think even some channels like night shift modeler i think is called or just night shift he 
started only like last year. I think he's already bigger than me because he uploads videos regularly. And Andy's Hobby Headquarters and Plasmo have been uploading regularly for many years and they're on like half a million or 700,000 subscribers and stuff. So that is, uh, and they, you know, so that's like just a comparison of how much the upload schedule and frequency of upload does affect your channel growth. So in comparison, they've like taken off like kind of like a that, whereas Quick Kits has kind of always been like a, just a, a gradual climb not so quickly mm. hmm. so i guess the conclusion there is consistency results in more compounding over time then is that a controversial thing I to think say so yeah because i mean youtube will always promote your videos then it sees that more people are watching your videos because you're uploading more you're getting more views because you've got more videos and because you're putting more videos out so a YouTube algorithm likes that. So it will Infinite to feed content your subscribers. Engine. Yeah, exactly. But the then the thing is, is like I, I just I think Plasma, the guy David, he runs that channel. I think he has made YouTube like his career. So because I have no clue otherwise how he he puts out a video every week. That is mad, like considering the level. Of production value of his videos and the level that he builds his models to it's just i don't understand how he did how he does it but well i do because yeah i think it just dedicates his whole time to it but for me quick kits has always just been a hobby and yeah so i've never i've never like fully committed to it i think that's one thing maybe my subscribers have not really realized is they think that i just do quick kits but unfortunately I don't and I can't so yeah I haven't been able to achieve the content output that uh, someone who was committing like their full time to would do does that sentence mm. make sense I don't know <laughs> I no it, it does make sense it's uh, I mean you, you sound very pressured I guess do you feel significantly pressured to come out with more and more content or do you feel no. like where, where no. I guess where's the line? Where's the balance between the pressure you feel obligated to make content and on the flip side where it is just a hobby and you'll do it when you feel like it? Where do you fall on that line? I've very much always been on the hobby side of it and I'll do it when I can. Um isn't isn't quick it has never taken like priority over anything in my life, I would say. I think apart from maybe with like the Telford videos where I have been like, I need to get these out to make them relevant. But, um, yeah, otherwise, no, it's always just been, ah, yeah, I've got some time, got nothing to do. So I'll work on this kind of thing. Um, cause I think, I don't know, there was a time when I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I had a plan and I was going to be like, yeah, I'll try and make sure that I release this video on this date of the month. This I'm gonna do like a bi-weekly upload. Oh, wow. That never happened and um was just impossible. Like I couldn't I couldn't do that. Mm. And with like uni and college and everything, like it's just been too hard. Now I've got a job. You know, <laughs> it's like there's, there's never particularly been a time when I've just like had yeah, been doing nothing other than quick hits. 
the thing is like I want my videos to be enjoyable and if I'm not enjoying it I don't think I get that that energy would come across in the video so I've just been doing it when I feel like it so mm. I can enjoy it yeah because it's it's artistic it, it is a it is a kind of passionate enjoyable thing so I guess you don't want to be thinking about the numbers you don't want to be thinking about the marketing or the the clickbait it's yeah. it's a hobby in itself it's re, it's it's relaxation from your from your main job your main day life I guess yeah I do have to say actually maybe it was it was nice to do um yeah it was nice to do when I was doing like college and stuff because it was completely different but now that I'm doing a job where I'm making videos it's a bit more like oh, I'm doing this at work I don't like if I'm in the office editing rather than on a shoot I'll come home and I don't really want to be on the computer editing I don't want to do like a full 12 hours of editing and sat on a chair in front of a computer so I don't really feel motivated to do it so that's hard but when I was doing like essay writing and stuff in college it was like nice that I could do something completely different being hmm. creative with editing and stuff so it was a different way of looking at it um, well so what about because you've you've outsourced the the editing parts and you've you've dabbled in in outsourcing some of the workflows before mm. is that something you think you'll you know did you enjoy that process did it work for you yeah it did work it was only it was with the hurricane video and yeah it did work um and it was nice not having to worry about it um it was nice to get someone else's uh, take on the footage and stuff as well so it was it was cool to do that it was just the workflow of like because obviously I've filmed like hours and hours and hours of footage transferring that to the editor was a bit difficult it took a long time it was like um probably like 200 gigabytes of footage or something which wow quite a lot yeah a long time to upload and for them to download so it's not the best workflow 200 um, gigabytes then, hmm that's crazy yeah. well what accounts for yeah. that is that i guess the footage that would be slowed down in post for the time lapse but even then 200 gigabytes that's a hell of a lot of that, that's that's nearly <laughs> the size of modern warfare right yeah well that's like if you think about it it's me recording with two cameras because it was for the hurricane video and I was mm. like, I want to do this with two cameras. I want a camera on me all of the time because I want that kind of. I want to be able to talk to it and get that kind of engagement and personality across. So it's two cameras filming in 1080p for I don't know how many hours. Like maybe do I usually get about eight or nine or ten hours of footage by the end of a build? So like maybe like twenty hours of footage because two cameras something like that that could be completely wrong but yeah it's a lot of footage basically mm. <laughs> okay oh Kendall's here hello I'm doing my call hey Kendall Tom. That's what, what's up Tom says hi so we've talked about forgive me because it's just very exciting I've got very sidetracked by the more recent and contemporary stuff which is very exciting um but again those <laughs> okay. those four videos that took you from a hundred to to a thousand did any one of them go particularly viral or was it like what what was it about those four videos do you reckon mm, no i don't think any of them went particularly viral at all i'm just having a look to see what they actually were i mean the spitfire one 
did go down pretty well because it's such an iconic aircraft it's getting googled a lot so that one did kind of take off the other ones not so much in that time period i think it was when i made a video called 25 tips for scale modelers and that one was probably my first like really successful video where i did genuinely see the views and engagement and subscribers like increase quite sharply from that i think because it's more general about just like because scale modeling is a niche but then in itself it's just divided into sub genres i guess of like military modeling air uh, like armor military armor cars planes ships and then even within those genres like even other subgenres like so like cars you got like modern retro fantasy remote control cars model cars like you know it's a whole it's such a so scale modeling isn't i wouldn't actually say maybe it's not even that much of a niche because it includes like even like fantasy modeling like star wars gundam or gunpla suits you know like kind of anime mech tech stuff so it's like massive dioramas is a whole thing and then railway modeling you know it can count with scale modeling so it's huge yeah there's all these spider webs of subcultures within 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 because yeah. i would say you 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 do mostly old war vehicles war armor and planes and that sort of thing yeah world war Two armor and planes yeah Mm. I'm a big fan of them, and of course that was uh, uh, you you ended up uh, IRL. You 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 ended up making a film all about a World War Two pilot. <laughs> yes, that was that fun. Was good fun. That was um, yeah, that was my final year film for uni. We did a World War Two film about a guy who yeah had to deal with the pressure to join the RAF. And uh, we used a little model hurricane for some VFX in one of the shots. Courtesy of uh, Quick Hits. <laughs> yeah. Courtesy of Quick Hits. Oh, best. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, the, the Spitfire is um, such an iconic vehicle. That's always going to get stuff over time. So, what do you reckon that was the main of the four that led to, to that kind of sudden growth? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Possibly one of the Tamiya tanks that I did as well. Because that's the other thing is like Airfix is quite a big brand in this country and I do a lot of Airfix stuff so I've done quite well in the UK but it's like in other countries Airfix is not the main go-to manufacturer of scale model kits so Tamiya is bigger in America and Japan so that by making that manufacturer that kind of opened me up to that audience so it's it's mad when you think about it and like going back to again probably like why my channel hasn't grown as much as Plasmo Andy's Hobby Headquarters Night Shift Model or whatever they have also branched out a lot more into like building models from within the different genres of scale modeling so battleships from modern and historical eras motorbikes cars um, mech suits and stuff so they've varied it a lot more which I think is is good because interestingly, I've built um, and done two videos on Polish planes, and with both of those 
um, videos, the Polish audience for my channel has increased with those videos. So it's like, yeah, I've only really built British and German World War II stuff, I guess. So maybe if I branched out more, I'd have more subscribers and stuff like that. It's a lot of factors <laughs> affecting it. You sound, you sound very hard on yourself. I don't think you should be quite so harsh on yourself because you're doing a lot of, oh, maybe if I did this, maybe if I, if I did this. Whereas I think if you look at where actually you are now, as a result of all your work, like you've, you've been very successful with it, you know? Not thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I just know, worry like... about you, man. Cause you seem, you seem very uh, self-critical when you really shouldn't be. I don't know. I think maybe it's because I'm not, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned about how big the channel grows or anything. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to reflect on it from in kind of like a useful way of learnings from it. Oh, right? it, it is very useful. I'm it is very to, useful, obviously. Put it that way, I guess. Um, if rather than stay within kind of that, that niche of World War II vehicles, if you had actually yeah. branched out, got into Gundams, motorbikes, yeah. star armors, trains perhaps, do you think you would have seen more yeah. growth? I think so. That's what I'm saying, yeah. It's not that... I'm not saying like, oh, I wish I had done this. I'm just saying that like maybe if I had... It would have grown more, but like I'm not worried because, like, for example, I tried building a battleship model and I didn't enjoy it, so I just stopped building the battleship model. And to this day, that video has never been released. So, where know. is the Bismarck? Where is That's the Bismarck? The question. <laughs> How many videos do you reckon over the years where you've started filming them? Do, do is it common for you to abandon projects or particular videos where you feel it's not working or you're not enjoying it? get yeah, partially through so. the process yeah there's definitely i've got several videos on my hard drive that i've half filmed of kits that i've just not finished yeah and i've got like a whole document of ideas for like videos that i've just never got around to making or editing like just never had the motivational time or whatever to to make them like but i'm not too fussed about that i don't mind <laughs> But maybe my um, subscribers mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that a good thing though? Because it it shows the consistency of quality that you have in your channel. They are consistent bangers, if you will, rather than a few and then maybe <laughs> one or two that you're not happy with. For the sake of being yeah. able to, oh, just press press the upload, press the upload. You've actually kept yeah. the the quality over time. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. I don't know, because like, yeah. I guess with the things with the Bismarck and stuff, the reason that I stopped it, as well as not being able to not really enjoying the kit, was also the fact that I didn't feel like I could, could, I didn't feel like I could put this video out as a way of teaching people how to build a model ship when I felt I was incapable of doing that. So, yeah, I guess, yes, then I could have put it out and it wouldn't have been a very good video from a an informational standpoint, I guess. Hmm. So is yeah. that we have solved the mystery of the Bismarck then? Yeah. Yes. Now we know we've <laughs> closed the case. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's the right way of going about it. I guess. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay then. 
I watched what one of your ones, which was very interesting, and I'm kicking myself because I can't remember the country now, but you chatted about um, getting an email about someone asking to add subtitles from uh, other countries so that people who are in the scale yeah. modeling communities in those countries who aren't predominantly English speaking can, can enjoy your videos. Um, was that a weird email to receive to be like, oh, Jesus, like that's a very tangible effect. That's tangible proof of, of kind of your mm -hmm. reach of the people you're impacting. Yeah, I guess. I haven't had those in quite a while. It was kind of like, I think when the feature was maybe first introduced, a lot of people kind of jumped on that. Well, not a lot, maybe like five or six. But it was like, yeah, people offered to do it and then they realized how hard it actually is. Because like, you know, it's a 12 minute video. Scripts are usually about 2,000 words, around about that, maybe 3,000. So maybe in, in the range of 1,500 to 3,000 words. And it's a lot like even just going through and like YouTube's got a lot better with like it's auto-generated captions. But before that, I could not be bothered to write captions for my videos because it was so annoying, like having to type out what I said and like do the timings of it and stuff. Nah, couldn't be bothered to do it. So I completely understood when people were like, oh yeah, we'll do this. And they did a video and they were like, you know what? <laughs> this is enough for me. Because <laughs> it does take up like so much time to do it write out a whole video let alone translate into another language like perfect. and then match the time as well videos. yeah but youtube i think has made it easier but like i don't know because it's not being pushed as more as like a thing that people can do i guess maybe it doesn't at least for a small channel like me people don't really care about it anymore a small channel he says <laughs> well i guess do you well, see know. yourself I feel like say do, do you think it's realistic to to aim for 100k within the next year for you J just for context you're currently on 65k um, right yeah i don't know because again it depends on like how much time i'm actually gonna have to create content if i was releasing regular content i think i probably could have passed 100k probably by now i don't know if i will within the next year just because i don't know how much content i will put out i don't know hmm. so i think yeah it is the regular content thing is important for growth it's like anything really isn't it like if you want to grow you've just got to keep producing i guess yeah I guess, I mean, I've had the, the pleasure of working with you IRL previously in the past. And so, and I've seen how hard you work. So I guess I've, I've got a slight bit of concern, which is say if, if, if in a parallel timeline, you were actually doing these videos, say bi-weekly in amongst all the work you've been doing, do you reckon that would have been a healthy lifestyle for you to maintain? <laughs> Considering the production value of your videos, they're not quick. Um, no, it would have been, it would have been, I don't think, no, I wouldn't have much of a, a, a life, I don't think, because it would just be like sitting building models all day and, I don't know, not healthy in the fact that I'd be sniffing glue and all the fumes <laughs> related with scale models as well. So, no, I'm glad that I don't do it full time. Sniffing glue. It's just too Damn. much. Yeah. Well, yeah, not obviously. Don't don't sniff glue, peeps, <laughs> but uh, yes, sniff glue yes, we do not like, uh, yeah. do not promote glue don't, sniffing don't here. Don't produce uh, and 
Sorry. Only on my nose. I don't endorse glue sniffing at all. But like, obviously, when you're building a model and the glue, you have to use the glue and you can smell it. So it's not good. There we go. So it seems like an excuse to hide behind. Are we enabling <laughs> here, Aaron? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Definitely. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess, say if you were chatting to some of your your um, fans who, who are looking to start starting a YouTube channel, starting the whole social media, putting yourself out there game. I think we've chatted a lot about mm-hmm. consistency and how that leaves to, how that leads to pretty much guaranteed exponential growth. Other than consistency, what would you say the main things are to aim for? Um, definitely like making uh, videos concise and focused. I think because people like go there for a reason, and you know you just probably will click away if they're not engaged by it. So if you go off on too much of a tangent about something that's completely irrelevant to why they're there, I don't think that people will stick around. Um, I think that good lighting is always very important because I think with good lighting, you'll get good images. And then um, and that will make your videos look more professional and you'll stand out. And, you know, it just makes it easier to watch. And then good audio quality as well. It's important. Yeah. Because people don't want their ears to be assaulted. Like one of the criticisms I've got is that uh, my old videos, the music is just really bad. (laughs) Um, And I moved away from that genre of like upbeat, poppy kind of stuff that... Because I was like, oh yeah, it's got to be in keeping with like the time lapse. But I think the really fast time lapse plus the really crazy music just makes the whole experience a bit too frenetic. So with like my more recent videos, I tried to go with like the more calm Bob Ross kind of vibes, which I think fits with the hobby as well a lot more. So, but back in the day, I was like, I got to have the energy, you know. <laughs> but I think I think it was a bit much, a bit too frenetic. Yeah, because there's a bigger kind of the free YouTube soundtracks. Um, there's the, the, this idea where it has to be kind of very loud, explosive energy to to demand and hold people's attention. Whereas actually, over time, we we've come to learn kind of the latter is true. Where actually, when you said yourself, you're quite um, not not shy on camera, but or say say laid back, a bit calmer, and the same as the Bob Ross style. And that was what on TV. I, I want to say. I don't know how many Four. years ago. I want to say 10 to 20, 30, 70s? 30. I think Was it 70s? 70s? I think it's 70s, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, that's going on 50 years ago now. So we know that actually having the calm, reserved um, kind of energies, the, the um, peaceful vibes do very well, particularly, yeah. I guess, in the aspect of um, doing something creative as well, such as building a scale model. Yeah, I think so. I think... Mm. Um, yeah, the change in music was good to fit the genre and my personality as well. And then that's just made the videos more cohesive, which is good for the style. Hmm. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about before you actually started your YouTube channel, you were an Instagram. The Quick Kits was an Instagram brand, right? Or was it under a different <laughs> name? I, I don't quite know the story. different. There. So I think what happened because i'd forgotten i even did this i think i originally started uh 
off the back of my previous YouTube channel, I think I started an Instagram account called Model Kits. And I started posting just pictures of the models that I'd finished on that channel. And that kind of worked to build up a following of people who were on the, in the Instagram community who were looking for like pictures of models because it is reasonably large. Um, but I mean, I only gained probably like 80 followers or something. Um, so I probably gained a couple of followers on Instagram and I had uh, about 100 subscribers on my previous YouTube channel. So when I launched Quick Kits, it was good because I could rebrand this Instagram account as Quick Kits, keep those followers, point them in the direction of my YouTube channel, as well as getting people from my old YouTube channel to come to my new YouTube channel. So that helped, I think, probably initially grow the channel because YouTube was suddenly like, oh, people are taking an interest in these videos, probably let's promote them. So that probably helped. Mm. So I guess it wasn't straight from zero then. That was a, a good... Yeah, you, you weren't yeah. starting by default with zero zilch. You actually had something to promote, kickstart a bit of a growth there. Yeah. I think within like the first week, I had maybe like 50 subscribers or something. So mm. I was like, damn, this is good. <laughs> that is Back very good. Day. Let's also talk yeah. about the, the name change because the rebranding there is actually very, very powerful, I think. Because the name of what you've just said, I've already forgotten. Maybe I'm done. Maybe the name isn't particularly stand out. Whereas I think Quick Kits is very punchy. Like I think that's a really fantastic know, kind I, of brand name. It is one thing, yeah, that I've always been quite happy about. Is I feel like it is kind of quite memorable and it is quite punchy. And I, I am really happy with it. Like I've toyed with changing it. No. But I've always. So that's not for that, me to say. Like, it just works. No, no, no. Yeah, it kind of is. But like, yeah, I think it. It definitely works, because like you know, if you, you I could I debated it just changes like what if it was Owen Edwards or Owen's models or something like that, but it's like not as memorable. Like I don't remember channels that go by names quite so much as I remember channels that have. Mm. I don't know. I think your audience knows and recognizes and likes both. Like Quick Kits equals Owen mm. Edwards. Do you see what I mean? It's not a case of one kind of is against each other. I think it's become very much unanimous because you've put the effort in to put yourself as an on-camera personality right from the off. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I actively, I actively wanted that. Yeah. And also you've got the, your, your Twitter name is Quick quick kits with the underscore for the space bar as well so that's a really easy you know yeah. traffic driving there it's interesting because i was only i was looking at quick kits and facebook and i actually only started those in 2016 so actually like a year and a half i think after i started the channel i then went on to twitter and facebook just because they weren't social media platforms that i used personally at the time or i, I had a facebook but i didn't use it I didn't really see the benefit in it. And to be honest, they've been the slowest growth for my social media anyway. So like my, my my Twitter only has like 800 followers, I think, or something. Like the community just isn't very big on there. And then Facebook, uh, as you can tell you, have, I think it's like a thousand and something followers I've got on Facebook. 
again, I don't think community is that big. Whereas Instagram, like, you know, scale modeling is about posting images of what you're doing. So I think Instagram fits that best. I think there are groups on Facebook and stuff, but I don't know. I just don't like Facebook as a social media platform. Very no, much. I don't. Use no, it I personally. agree with that. I I guess there's there's sub there's a proportion of the scale modeling community which is of the older generations, and with that, they would the older generations struggle more with social media use. And if that's hard enough, what 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 is the hope of getting people in the older generations who don't even understand the concept of social media onto platforms that are one step further than Facebook, such as Instagram? Would you say that's mm. a bit of a barrier there? Uh, possibly, yeah. I definitely feel like my analytics show that probably I have the biggest age of range, I have the biggest age range across youtube obviously because that's my main platform i think there's a skew towards the older generation on facebook and there's a skew towards the younger generation on instagram and i think with me i I prefer instagram as i probably i don't know this just feels like so much more engagement on instagram prefer as a social media platform i don't know there are i don't know i don't know i think i think I think obviously Google kind of forces you to make an account now. So I think maybe older people have more older people have a Google account so they can use that for YouTube. And then I think a lot of older people have Facebook accounts so they use that. So I think it works that way, maybe. I just personally feel it's quite a shame that the uses of these more modern i don't know the uses of these more modern social medias people are missing out on because i don't know say your granny's into stitching or knitting you know there's probably such a massive that is probably such a massive subculture across you know youtube across all all of these social medias that they would probably really enjoy yeah yeah and it's Um, just it's a shame that the barrier for them enjoying that is simply learning how to use it Mm. yeah or being or being taught yeah. and shown how to use it because it's more a case of not knowing where to look or start than it is an active choice of saying no I'm not going to engage with that I don't think that's the case I think it's they simply don't know what Instagram is and so mm. you're not going to accidentally stumble across Instagram on your phone and then accidentally install it it's yeah yeah I guess these people are shown the way hmm it's tricky like I would say that I don't think I think that if you're gonna create content, you need to be the one creating all of the channels that you're gonna that you might be able to find people on. I don't think you're gonna be able to push people who find you on YouTube, for example, to also then go and follow you on Instagram. I think if they find you on YouTube and they have Instagram, they will find you on Instagram. But I don't think you can be like, get Instagram, and someone will go and get it because they they'll be like, well, I don't want Instagram. And I follow you on YouTube, so mm. why would I? I don't know. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. So if we look at um the numbers in the UK, you're actually um of all the creators in the United Kingdom, you are eight and a half thousandth, roughly, roughly speaking. I think that's very high on the list of all the accounts that have been made in the UK, eight thousand five hundredth. Let's take it back to your channel's inception because we talked briefly earlier about 
the subculture of scale modeling and how even before you started your channel you were watching some of the early videos and you were actually hunting for um, videos to teach you about scale modeling and you saw there was a significant gap where no one was really was really making them and so mm-hmm. your channel would you say it was partly created with that with an intent to fill a gap in in the market yeah definitely very much so like yeah i noticed that it wasn't there and i wanted it so i created it i guess so, yeah and uh yeah since then other people have followed and done really well and that's good um yeah hmm. i did think okay. of something then, but i can't remember <laughs> um wait filling the gap in the market yeah i don't know i think that's just i think it's definitely good to have like a usp uh, unique selling point and i think mine at that time was being able to have a production quality that was probably one of the few channels on in the niche that had that but then it moved more into as other channels kind of got the hang of it and climbed as well it could be my niche became or my unique selling point became the fact that i made models with a paintbrush and with um, tools and materials that are easily accessible to everybody so i tried to make my videos like really accessible which is another thing that maybe has helped hmm. i think that's true because it's a bit of a meme isn't it that you, you don't you don't use airbrushes which is an expensive yeah. bit of kit yeah well you can't get them cheaper now but i think it's also like um the the space like you need a compressor you need good ventilation you need a mask to use an airbrush and stuff like that and not everyone has the space to, to use an airbrush so i don't use an airbrush and i think it's also a bit intimidating of like you know you bought a model kit you want to paint it you got paints and paintbrushes included in the kit and then you go and you look and everyone's like you need to buy an airbrush to be able to do this you're probably just gonna be sad so i wanted my channel to (laughs) give people a bit of hope that things good things can still be achieved with the humble paintbrush and yeah and you've proved it can be done as well because i mean you get really gorgeous results i mean that again the whole thank you you know, one of the most basic things about your channel is the models that you make look really, really good. And you've consistently oh, proved you. that you don't need all that expensive gear to get the professional results. I think it's interesting just to, comparing um, uh, paintbrushes and airbrushes with kind of like lighting and cameras. Okay. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's something that I'm interested in. It's like, Paintbrushes have been used for many years and people have done fantastic works of art with paintbrushes, right? And at the same time, um, like people have shot gorgeous looking films with old cameras and stuff. And the reason that they still look good and hold up is because of the lighting and the reason that the paint paintings hold up is because of like the 
what am I trying to say? Like, because because the person who's painted them has like practiced a lot, got good with like colors and how to like the techniques of painting and stuff. And it's like you can't and and buying a newer, better camera isn't gonna necessarily improve the quality of like your film. And buying an airbrush isn't necessarily going to improve the quality of your models. There's like a lot more to it than that. I think that's what I wanted to say. I don't know if that was really worth including or not. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, I don't think you should buy, you know, always be chasing a better airbrush. I think you can concentrate on being good at the basics. And I don't think you can always buy a better camera. For the same reason, you've got to concentrate on the basics, like good lighting, composition, etc., etc. that you can do with any camera. Because like this webcam ain't too good, but the lighting's all right, so the image looks all right, you know? Whereas I've got an average webcam, but I don't know about lighting. That's why my scene doesn't look as good as yours. Oh, well. <laughs> it's still looking no. good though, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I completely agree. I think that's a really good point, because... As you say, buying an airbrush won't make you good at scale models. Buying an expensive camera won't make you good at filmmaking. Um, 100%. I think that's a really good point to make. And I think we all... That's I'm a very definitely... nice way to summarize Sorry. that. <laughs> that's a very nice way to summarize that, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think because I'm guilty of this. I'm really guilty of this. I think we allow ourselves to hide behind the excuse of, oh, I can't marry make very good films because i because i can't afford a good camera whereas if a cinema camera dropped into my hands right now i'd be really embarrassed because oh no i've got a ca i've got a great camera but uh, tr truthfully i'm not 100 sure how to use it i think <laughs> but without it I, I i can hide behind the excuse of oh it's just because i don't have a good camera you know what i mean i think it's mm. similar to that with models is say if someone can't get great results with a brush it's it's far easier to admit to oneself that oh it's because that person has an airbrush Rather than, oh, it's because yeah. I haven't, what is it, done five or six layers, wasted over time, yeah. and developed the skill and, you know, learn. I, I think it's interesting. Mm. And that was one thing that, yeah, I really wanted to get across to the channel is that, yeah, it's not about how good your gear is. You can still good thing, do good things just by learning the basics, keeping it simple, having fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's I think that I kind of energy is very much reflected in your community as well. That's very much reflected in your comment sections, that kind of energy. People starting, not so much starting. I think people enjoy the whole um, starting culture of, oh, this is for basics. But actually by following it, because all the techniques that you show are really basic. They are very, very easy, except by doing each of them one step at a time to the models. The end result is fantastic. It doesn't look like a basic model at the end it looks really really beautifully done it's an intricate it's an intricate work of art it's a thing you know so it's cool to see that you Thank can get you. there by just doing the really simple steps mm. Mm. yeah i'm glad that that shows through <laughs> oh this isn't this isn't me this is a your, your comment section your community so cool. just before i let you go then and uh, we'll chat um, I guess your your final thoughts on your on your audience of your fans who might be looking to start channels, start things of, of their own. I know we touched on mm -hmm. it earlier as well, but what are the main things you would say other than filling a niche and the consistency and production quality? Mm -hmm. 
sprinkle in a bit of personality, um, keep it kind of consistent, focused, concise, and have fun while you're doing it, because that'll come across. Well, Owen, thank you so much for joining me for this first episode. I hope you've had I hope you've had a good time. Thank you so much for sharing your I've insights. Enjoyed it, yeah. Um, and all kind of I guess the behind the scenes stories of the last six years of, of your channel. It's really interesting to chat about and hear fr- from you, from the man himself. No problem. I've had a good time, Tom. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm an honour to be your first guest. <laughs> pilot, pilot. I know, well. yeah. yeah, no, thank you so much for, for giving me up your afternoon to come and chat. All right. Cheers, Owen. Bye-bye. Thank you, bye.